0: Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Your hosts, Tom and Julie, talk about gardening, homesteading, and connecting with the land at their 10-acre farm in Wisconsin's Driftless area. It's time to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day on the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, coming to you from the Landing Podcast Studio here in the Driftless Oaks Farm. Well, everyone, we survived the 2023 February blizzard here at the farm. And while I'd love to talk to you all about it, I'm actually going to save that for next week's episode. So there you go. You know what's coming up for next week. That'll give me some time to put together some thoughts. Of course, if you can't wait... I already have a series of videos that are documenting the storm on the Small Scale Life YouTube channel. So go over there, youtube.com, at Small Scale Life, you'll find it. And you can watch those videos. But for next week, I'll put together some more thoughts. So we're pressing forward. Pressing forward with this show. In this 216th episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, I continue the conversation with my friend Adam Rapier from Colorado. I affectionately am calling these officially the Adam Files. We're going to discuss starting a beekeeping business. Now, I know, I know, I know. Many of you are not beekeepers and will never be beekeepers. That is totally okay. But I hope you hold on and stay tuned to this episode. As I always say, whenever you walk in a garden or visit a garden, you learn something new. You pick something up. You see something that, hey, that looks pretty cool. I might want to try that. Or maybe it's a plant. Maybe it's a technique. Maybe it's something, right? Something is there that's going to trip your trigger. So, Each small business story can inspire you to start something on your own and teach you something new. After all, every gardener or homesteader might have an abundance of tomatoes, uh, green beans, zucchini, eggs, which are in high demand, milk, kombucha, something that you can give away or sell to a local customer base hey, why not take a listen? So who is Adam Rapier? Well, Adam and I met 2018 at Daniel Freeman's Ranch in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I've got a link. I've had Daniel Freeman on the show way back in 2018 or so. Uh, We spent a couple days together observing bees, checking out Wicking Bed Gardens, riding ATVs, and hanging out in Daniel's garage late at night with mead moonshine and lots of good stories adam and i have been friends ever since and i'm happy to have him on the show this is the third and final episode of those adam files i'm using my air quotes there as a reminder i have talked with adam about the following topics in episode 214 adam and i discussed his family's journey from urban living in denver to their new homestead in rural colorado in 215, Adam and I discuss gardening and homesteading, including some livestock discussions, ducks, quail, lambs. And in 216, we're going to talk about starting a beekeeping business. If you want to connect with Adam and Kathleen, I have links to their social media and website at smallscalelife.com. Now, without further ado, here is Adam finishing up the Adam files, talking about starting a beekeeping business on the Small Scale Life podcast. Thank you again, Adam, for being on the show. Really appreciate you spending the time and having that conversation.
1: One thing I learned, I don't know if you want to just go ahead and start going into the segue of the business side of things.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm yeah. What and if time runs out, we'll just pop another one and we'll just keep going. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because really segue into the beekeeping stuff, eventually, if you keep bees, you'll get two things. You'll get honey and you'll get more bees.
2: No.
1: <laughs> so if you do good, those are your two byproducts of keeping bees. And Well, and you'll get mites. But yeah. that's a different story. So yeah, mitigate mites, you got yourself, or weevils, or whatever. And then you'll get bees and honey. So our one hive this year, we pulled 200 pounds of honey off of it. Wow. So, yeah. So we had a nice little excess this year. It's like, we have to sell this. Like We, we, we have no choice. We got over 500 pounds of Honey, here we cannot consume this enough and being in denver when i had nine i was i was pretty much giving it away or i was selling it to people i knew i was not going to the public at all
2: sure
1: it's like you had to know me in order for me to sell it or okay. you had to know somebody close to me because of college food laws and everything else because me media me i want to operate under the radar so there's that so now it's like okay we got to go public with this there's no way I don't have enough friends over here. Dad's selling to coworkers and such. It's like, we can't, we cannot get rid of it fast enough. So now it's turned into, okay, we're going to start going to farmer's markets and selling it. Cause that's the other gateway drug to starting your own business. Really? Right. Was we got excess of something mm-hmm. you going bad is either going wholesale or to a farmer's market, Right. which the farmer's market is so much about the sales. It's about the networking. Yeah. It really is because that first farmer's market, I walked away with four people's phone numbers, two of which work at the meadery here in town. Oh wow, so They want honey. Yeah, they uh-huh. want honey. And two farmers who want beehives on the property for pollination. Wow. Yeah, totally, man. So, so it's like, well, I wasn't looking at, I mean, I've always wanted to get into the pollination side of things, but I was never big enough and I didn't have the time. Sure. Now here, with the way we got everything set up, I have the time. Cool, man. So, and we moved out here with the goal in mind to start our own business and make it to where we're not reliant on the W-2 jobs. Mm-hmm. So we're creating our own wealth. We're running it all. So, And that's where, also tying in back to the homesteading, where all ties in.
0: Yeah, Eventually, totally. You
1: can yeah. start your own thing.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And building that network like that, I mean... Because not everybody does bees, right? Everybody has a garden, right? Or everybody has a, they're out there, you have cows. You know, what's going to set you apart?
1: And if you like
0: doing beekeeping,
1: why not? And yeah, and like I said, I mean, my my goal always was to go commercial-ish. Not do a full-blow commercial. Because like when Danielle and I went down to uh, Corey's place, I think he has 2,500 hives. Holy smokes. Yeah. And that was an eye-opener. Uh, going from hobbyist side to commercial side it's like yeah because even he said he's like how many hires you got? i'm like oh i'm at two again so kind of taking a break just selling splits and doing so on and so forth and uh he's like oh i wish i had two i've got (laughs) 2500 and we and we saw i think 200 of them in that day wow and well, then and then
0: you get into employees and your con- you got warehousing and all the equipment. I mean, mm-hmm. you, there's a lot to it, you know? I mean, just looking at different you commercial guys on YouTube and the systems they've got and the warehouses they've got, and even the ones around here, you know, it's they got some pretty big pole sheds full of stuff, you know? And then there's boxes well, stacked out outside, you know? And it's like, holy smokes. Well, that's- and
1: over here, there's three commercial beekeepers between here and in my parents' house because this is where they overwinter their, or pretty much in the summer, they bring their bees here. And then before they go out to the almond fields.
2: Sure. That makes sense. But
1: but they don't come back from the almond fields of the apples until after the first cutting of alfalfa here. Mm. So it's like, okay, well there's still that little gap of pollination that's needed, that early season pollination. Now, granted there is better. Insects out or better bees out there than just honeybees to do pollination. But honeybees are the easiest, most commercialized ones. Right. And like I told you also, I think I sent you the stuff on the mason bees, the crown Mm -hmm. bees stuff. Yeah. Way better pollinators, but you don't get the honey. Right. So, but you get more bees. Yes. So that's a different aspect of it. And you got to get into those hardcore gardeners, which is a good niche market. And get those bees to them, but you also got to teach them how to keep those, those bugs, which is way easier or simpler than honeybees. <laughs> so yeah, not well, to talk trash to honeybees. Cause that's my thing, but
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting to me. And um, like I said, I'm just starting to dip my toe into this. Okay. So yes, uh, we are talking about starting to get into this business here and you have, you uh, checked out a commercial uh, beekeeper, twenty five hundred hives. That is incredible. But you've got to have staff. You've got to have equipment. You've got to have a tractor trailer, or rent
1: that. Oh, well, there's a. Well, it, you got to not just a. Tra- if you don't have the tractor trailer, the logistic companies to move bees is a three billion dollar industry a year. Amazing. I mean, just the coordinator makes over a hundred thousand a year, and that's in twenty fourteen money when I first heard those statistics. Wow. I mean, so I'm sure it's gone up now. And that's one thing that's kind of interesting, because um, I told you when you first get to beekeeping, find a local bee club. Yes. My first bee club was not a good experience. Oh, no. Um, so, well, I'll call it 50-50. I made some great connections there, but it was like I met two people that were awesome. The rest, because we threw the bell curve on H, would not talk to us mm. at all. And they're like, well, this is what you do. You just don't know what you're doing. Well, no kidding. I don't know what the hell I'm doing on my first year. <laughs>
2: Duh. Yeah.
1: But they had a sentiment. Like, the there was one thing that they all had in common. is like, commercial beekeepers are bad. Their practices are bad. Mm. Okay, well, have any of you actually gone to a commercial guy? No. There is a problem. Yeah. You guys are all assuming stuff. So, it took a while. It's like, okay, finally found a commercial guy that would allow uh, hobbyists pretty much into his on his team for the day and that's one thing that kind of floored me when Danielle took me to cory's like dude we're going to commercial guy and he don't know who i am
2: right
1: and he's gonna let me go play with humpty thousand boxes of bees it's like okay this is if anything this is gonna be a good learning experience to see sure. the difference to see the different sides and i remember after that uh day i went back to those guys in denver and like hey this is what i learned this is how they do it it's kind of cool Let's take what we learn. where it's take what they do and mash it together so we can become better beekeepers. And you thought, you thought I lit a fart in the room and caught fire. <laughs> People were appalled by it. Like you wait, your commercial, a dumb, dumb. They deal with thousands of hives. Right. Yeah. They, they, right. they know the ins and outs. I mean, that dude, he was 45 and he started beekeeping commercially when he was 15.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's 30 years experience. Yeah. I want to shut up and listen to him. Um, the one guy here, and the, that's one thing when we got to the B club here, because my dad wouldn't go to a B club either. He was like, because he met the people from that B club and it was just a bad mojo all around. Finally, we moved out here. he was like, Hey, we need to join B Club because I need to learn how to be keeping in this climate. Same thing, it's complete 180 difference. They actually the people here want to help each other.
2: Well, that's good. That's yeah. great.
1: If we got a commercial guy here that the VP of the the club, he wants to help teach people. And it's kind of cool because he even since it. he goes, yeah, he goes, I only do almonds now. He goes, I started off in doing the apples and doing the carrots in Idaho. And he goes, and now it's just almonds because it's just easier on the commercial side. Mm. But same thing. Yeah, they got their equipment to get the bees off the trucks. But it's a, it's still the the coordination of getting that many hives off the truck to where you're going to overwinter them or hold them throughout the summer.
0: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah and, just, and yeah, I, you're right. I mean, they're dealing with thousands of f- hives. And in, frat, in fact, it's probably in that commercial guy's best interest to have best practices. So there's not like mite farms spread all around his operation, all those different yards he's got all over the place. Mom and pop running a small bee operation and they're not checking m- for mite. Suddenly, all that stuff is blowing into his stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that's, but that's the thing because there's so many that, Get together in the almond fields and all those.
0: Yeah.
1: If you, it, uh, because that's what the, the commercial guy here said. He goes, if you can get eight highs together, so that's two pallets of two deeps each. He goes, I will make it to where you, I will make room on the truck to put them on for you. Oh, like, yeah. So it's like, oh, I can send eight highs to California to go to the almond fields. I'll get 16 highs back because they're such a prolific pollination and stuff there you you'll double your hives but the problem is because you got so many there because really the almond fields there it is truly miles upon miles of almond trees yeah. so you don't see anything else you don't see different grasslands it's almonds so all those bees are conjugated and bees they're they're kind of like the whorehouse when one gets syphilis or one gets varroa, they all get it that's the okay. whole, that's the best analogy to do it i'm sorry that is the best analogy
0: <laughs> so
1: when guys We're putting a ground here on small
0: scale life. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and then that thing, all the guys get bees back. They go, yeah, you got to quarantine them
0: because uh,
1: from your regular ones, because they're going to be infested with stuff. Mm. So with either Varroa, um, some may have no SEMA just because they're so stressed. Gotcha. Which is pretty much no SEMA is diarrhea.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So it's just quarantine them. So they don't infect your hives. Gotcha. So there's that. So it's like, okay, well, there's that aspect of it, but I don't want to go to that level yet. Cause I still want to be kind of a small size of it. Mm. So, all right. So if I go up to a hundred hives, which is still a lot for one dude, that's a so, lot. Yeah. It's still a lot. Really just do the winter room here, have different yards here. I can make that a full time gig. Yeah. So let alone with the honey sales. Cause like what Michael has, he has the, uh, I think he still has the granola company uh, contract. Mm-hmm. So, I, I haven't talked to him in a while about that side of the business. Um, and plus, it's kind of frankly none of my business. <laughs> yeah, right. Producers like that, they want the local stuff. Cause that's what the one lady that I got coming to spring, she goes, I want honey off my land. And she has 400 acres. Wow. And 60 of it is alfalfa. Mm. And that's why I told her, I was like, Hey, the only problem with alfalfa is, yeah, it makes great honey, but A, what are your spring practices? And B, how often are you cutting it? Because right. most alfalfa growers won't let it go to flower. So, But she does. Because something with her cows, it adjusts with bloat. Okay, okay so cool. I was like, okay, so you're going to do one cutting a year. And you know when that's going to happen. Uh, when? How often are you spraying? Because that's what happened here as well. Um, the town in between me and the next major city south of us, they're a big corn produ- producer. And they have sprayed something for the corn. Mm. And people said, like, hey, is this going to affect my hives? And the applicator said, "No, it won't affect your hives. Nothing. It won't. It won't do. It, it does not affect honeybees at all." Yeah, it wiped out everybody's yards. No oh, man. So it's like, oh, we didn't foresee that. It's like hmm. the same thing. We got to watch out for the pollination side of it. <clears throat> and even same thing as a hobbyist. I mean, I was on. Uh, I, think I know it's still around, but they changed the name. Uh, Drift Watch. Okay. Um, you can register your hives on there. Okay. And the applicators are supposed to be watching that the mosquito applicators or any insect guys are supposed to be watching where those pop up and when the wind direction is going in some, in some localities they're supposed to notify you 12 hours minimum before they apply. So you can mitigate what you need to do. And that's either put wet blankets over your hives at night and then uncover them. So they don't get stuff on them and everything else. So that's the other side of things you got to watch out for.
0: There's a lot to this, my friend. A
1: lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, there is a lot. Like I said, th- this is the stuff that, like I said, you could do a one-on-one class in a week and you still won't know anything. Yeah. So, like I said, I've been doing it for seven years and I still don't know everything. And I don't, I, at least I tried to pretend to tend not to, so.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool, dude. So, you're selling honey, which is cool. You got wax and comb and all that stuff. You're selling other things I'm as well. So-
1: I'm selling raw, unfiltered honey. I'm selling chunked honey, which if you've never seen that, all it is is honeycomb with uh, honey added to it. Sure. So you put your honeycomb in a jar and then you got the space. So well, I'll just add extra honey into it. Nice. Um, I do sell honeycomb. I did make a batch of creamed honey this week to try to sell that. Um, I had one friend that told me that before her husband became allergic, she was making a thing called nutty honey. Mm. So she was taking pecans or almonds, <clears throat> crushing them up, and mixing honey with them to make them kind of like a peanut butter. Oh, that's thing. Kind of
2: good.
1: It is good. The thing is, though, the pecan one—if you just smear that on a Ritz cracker—it mimics the same flavor and mouthfeel profile as baklava. Hmm. So it it's funny because one of the ladies at the farmer's market is like, oh, this would be good on a Ritz cracker. I was like, well, there's a grocery store across street. i I'll be right back in five minutes. <laughs> and I did. I was, you know, I'm like, she ain't wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, the wax right now, we haven't sold any because we did so much. We haven't rendered it down yet. Sure. sure. So when you do harvest your honey, you're, you got to take all the cappings off, um, which I, I'm assuming you've seen on the YouTube's. That's- I've seen it on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll still get the B parts and everything else in there. So you got to put that in water or first you take all your raw cappings, Yep. put it in like a nylon sock or a pantyhose and you throw it in a crock pot full of water. Okay. And all the wax will uh, excrete out. You let that cool. You'll have a film of uh, wax on top. Okay. Of clean honey. And then all the pro, all the propolis dirt and bee parts are still left in the nylon sock oh
2: that's smart
1: yeah so that's one way to do it then that's a whole different way of wax rendering and wax is worth more than the bees or than the than the uh, honey itself sometimes mm. so there's that <clears throat> between candle makers instrument places oh yeah um the one another lady at the farmers market she does the uh what the heck the that the tinctures and the oh, sheet. yeah, she's like an apothecary, type. yeah, that apothecary. Thank you. Yep, uh, she's she's hounding me for wax. <laughs> she's like, I can't find it, nobody has it. Mm. It's like, it's like, well, I, I don't know what fair market value
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so. I don't want to overcharge you and I don't want to undercharge you either. So what have you been charging? She goes, I don't know. I haven't bought anything in a year and a half. It's like, great. Mm -hmm. And the the people around me, they're like, Oh, we just give it to Joe who makes candles. It's like, well, that doesn't help me.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) He makes cool candles. I will admit that, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, If you get into uh, pollen trapping, and selling the pollen off them. That's also, if you want to start making a business out of it, bees themselves, like I said, I mean, you, you become a good beekeeper, you're going to end up with more bees and and honey. Right. I mean, I sold two nooks this year. So, so do you know the difference between a, a package and a nook? A nook is just the queen, right? With some candy? No. <laughs> That's just a queen. Okay. Um, a nook is actually five frames in a box. So, oh, okay. you, so she's actually laying. Okay. Usually there's two feed frames and three frames of laying brood. So okay. she's actually laying. Uh, whereas like a package is you have the queen in a cage and you just have three pounds of bees in a, in okay. a box. Yeah. So that's just a package. So if you learn how to make nooks and learn how to make queens, you can sell a nook from anywhere from 275 to 400 bucks. Yeah. So wow. in, Yeah, and there's people that do it. Like I said, it depends on the line of bees and everything else. And if you start making queens, uh, it's going to be kind of hard there in Minnesota or Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, with how short you're. I'm close. (laughs) No, no. I lived in Minnesota. There is a difference. (laughs) You go over the Mississippi, there's a difference. (laughs) Uh (laughs) It's close. uh, the growing season's short. So I I, yeah. I know they got the Minnesota Hygienics uh, line of bees, which was developed by the Minnesota State University. If I'm okay. likely, which that was the bee that was in vogue, uh, I want to say two or three years ago, because of how their hygienic was with Varroa. Okay. Um, and now the new thing is Saskatrats, which a lot of them come out of Utah, mm. which for me, cool. There's a couple bees or a couple uh, apiaries, one in Utah, one in California that specialize in the Saskatras line. And they're the same thing. They're very, they're very well for their, uh, hygienic for the Varroa. And they're not as mean as say like Russians. Okay. So
0: i figure Russian mean, right?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. R- Russians are, I got Russian hybrids this year. Cause I wanted to try, try them out, which they were a cross between Russian and carniolans. Okay. And it was like, like, I just want to try it because I don't want to get full-blown Russians yet because I just kept hearing they're pretty close to feral. Let's do a mix match. And they are a little bit more aggressive. Mm. Uh, not something I would want to do as a first-time beekeeper. Right. Um, so really like your first, the going back to those, your first year, you really want to make sure you stick with like the Carniolans, the Italians, maybe Saskatraz if you can find them and you're willing to spend that expense sure. on them. So that way you got a higher propensity of getting them through the winter. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. But going back to the business side of things with the more beast thing, where I'm at, I'm zoned agricultural for my taxes. And I have to make at least $800 off my uh, land to keep my ag tax uh, rankings. Otherwise, it gets switched to residential. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. So That's interesting. Yeah.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So that's what Tommy's
0: going to have to do next year.
1: Yeah. Look into that. Um, Because even like yeah, learning the difference between like agricultural zoning versus farming zoning for taxes, completely different and lower tax brackets.
0: Right. Yeah. And part of our property here, I mean, I think we've got ag and we've got like some kind of wood, woods, um, like old growth woods thing, too. So, Uh,
1: yeah, some I know some call it like the green belt. Tax zone. not that it's
0: something else though it was kind of yeah, weird or natural. Forest. I'm gonna to have to look into all that actually.
1: Yeah, it that's that's tax stuff. I I am by no means a tax expert. I just know enough to keep myself to, keep, to save me money.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not a tax preparer either. I don't even play one on TV.
1: So no, I don't even play one on radio. No, one
0: on radio either. So <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Um, but but that's the thing is like okay, so I got to produce something off my land to mm-hmm. keep that tax base. Right. So. If I sell three nooks a year at $300 a piece, that's $900. Cool. Recordable, boom, out the door. And you can even do this on, I know like where I lived in Denver, there was a the town south of me, Brighton, Colorado. Mm-hmm. There was a neighborhood that was two acres that I talked about before. They were faux farms. It was a neighborhood that was two acre plots, but they were not allowed to have chickens. They were not allowed to have like every single animal had to be approved through their HOA. But those people... They're like, yeah, I got this two acres, but I'm paying residential taxes on it with a 3,500 square foot house. It's like, dude, what do you do for a living? And why are you not doing this? And one person finally says, like, yeah, because she was running a, what, what's that fancy word? Esquien, whatever the fancy horse. Oh, oh
0: equestrian type stuff. Equestrian. Yeah,
1: yeah she, she was running one of those. And she's like, yeah, because I gave lessons, I got the agricultural tax break. Oh, okay. So, and that's when everyone else was like, wait a minute, we sell honey. Yeah, mm-hmm. off your land. So as long as you make, I think in that county it was twenty percent of your home value. Wow. So, yeah, it was. They had to push a lot because they were. T- you're talking multi million dollar homes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes, that's a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they're they they had there's a lot of people there that had very good tax attorneys and CPAs. Yeah. So it was that, that was also part of the reason. Part another cool thing of the business side of things.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is interesting stuff. I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, is when I had Michael Jordan on the podcast, gosh, way back in 2017, or something like that, he talked about all these different ways and things and methods and, you know, building beehives and the queens and the honey and the wax and the this and that. And it, it just was like, yeah, you know, I was living in the city. So it was, no, we're not doing that, you know, and why would I do that? And
1: I, I have, I, I, I haven't played with it in a while, but I got a Shape uh, CNC machine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, I don't know if you remember me. Putting I, some do. Stuff. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. And that was one thing I, I brought that up at one of the B meetings. It's like, yeah, I got one of these that does wood carvings. And I have a lady that's, that came. She goes, hey, I want to do something special for my husband. Um, Can you put the Marine Corps seal on one of the boxes? Oh, that's cool. It's like, if I could find a bitmap for it, yeah, I could put that on a box. It's That's pretty easy. Just measure, figure out a couple measurements and away we go. And that's the thing. You can do that in an urban lot. If you got a garage or you rent a garage with uh, 120, uh, 120 volt power, two sources of it, or at least two outlets, you can do that and you can make the money hmm. doing that. And even still, if you can get a cheap source of lumber, you can just throw a piece of wood on there and have it carve out the hive for you. Yeah. And then you just sell on a tie so
2: that's cool man
1: yeah I mean there, there's there's a lot to beekeeping I mean even I mean custom tools because everybody gets the stainless steel tools and they're all half painted with red or orange yep my wife doesn't like the red and orange she wanted a pink tool <laughs> So I so I went to a high end no high end beekeeping supply shop in Denver and found a pink hive tool for her. and that stupid thing cost me thirty bucks you know, yeah. for a hive tool I was like this is how, this is insane I paid it mm-hmm. but in the guy he was kind of a jerk about it he said well just to let you know that's a more expensive tool well I figured it's it's powder coated it's not painted right right like, maybe you put a price tag on it. <laughs> <laughs> but in and, pe- and they do I mean, you go onto etsy and people do it, the hydro dipping stuff of any tool not just hive tools and that's more into the niche of the hobbyist side not so much the commercial guy side right because right. they just they just come in wax or paint them white and call it done yeah whereas your backyard beekeeper are the ones that want to make it pretty because that's like uh the that micro urban beehive i have uh albert korbacheck was the one who brought those to the college and his thing was he was one of the first ones that did the mini hives but he knew the mini hives weren't just going to sell because then they're just mating nuts so he did the cnc stuff and carved bees into it carved flowers into oh, it yeah. he got a premium for it yeah
0: smart so, that's really smart Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff into the beekeeping industry that you can get into. And even the apothecary side of it, that one lady, because even like, you know, for a while there, I was making soap. She was asking me, she was like, can you give me your soap recipe? I'm like, I haven't made soap in a year and a half, two years. So I'll I'll give it to you. If you need help, I'll let let me know i'll walk you through it sure sure it's like it's like baking a cake just put it in the right order really weigh it out
0: <laughs> I, and this is a cool thing is that there's just so many different things you can do and and uh you know it's perfect for a, a jack-of-all-trades type person like myself you know to uh, well, one thing i like about that i liked about winemaking and even kombucha is you can get creative in some of the things you do i mean and and how you do it and um you know you follow the basic steps but you can get a little creative and, and you know add interesting ingredients or whatever and make something really taste good
1: and well, um you know i don't well, yeah, I mean it's, anymore, like, it's fun well it's like when michael jordan got into beekeeping he got into it because he got that old recipe on how to make mead.
2: yeah exactly
1: and i mean and even uh rob the one guy his big thing is meats yeah so when he came out here and saw visit us so because him and his wife are looking at moving to the western slope. Uh, I think next year as well. And they they brought lots of meats, and that Rob makes some banging good meats. Yeah, <laughs>
2: so, right. So, yeah, that's what you want. I
1: mean, and that's what people, and that's what one thing in these farmers markets people want. They're like, hey, I I'm a meat maker. I need x amount of i need a five gallon pail of of honey it's like oh that's gonna cost you a few hundred bucks bud and yeah they're they're willing to pay for it yeah so right because
0: it's it's three pounds of honey for one gallon of water. is it three
1: yeah yeah three to four depending on how sweet and dry you want yep
0: yep yep i made meat once and it wasn't very good (laughs) so
1: yeah that's and that's another thing that
0: i said i made mead once and it didn't turn out very good it was my first non-kit wine and it just wasn't oh, i, I, didn't I have enough honey
1: i haven't i had enough to sit here for years and i have yet to make a bottle so don't feel bad
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. yeah that's
0: exciting dude so you good things are on the horizon it sounds like for you i mean you're gonna have the sheep you're gonna have some more bees and kind of ramping up a little bit on the bee side that's ex- excellent that's really cool yeah.
1: Yeah, because really, between the bees, the sheep, we're getting the chickens here. Uh, We're going to take the rabbits from mom and dad because really, the of the four rabbits, two of them have gotten mean over the. Which, believe it or not, rabbits can get mean. Didn't know that. Didn't know that either. Yeah, so they need to go. They need to get off of mom and dad's property. We'll bring them here. The kids, the kids enjoy them, and uh, one's in New Zealand, so I could breed her and have another meat option in here as well uh quail I keep going back and forth with if I want to get back into it because that's a whole nether market as well and after talking to the one uh Thai restaurant nearby I can make a killing selling quail eggs because she'll but she'll pay 20 bucks for 12 I yeah when I when I told her that I was like cuz she had them sitting there I was like how much are you paying for that just $20 for 12 eggs I'm like that's what you're selling them for right she was no that's what I'm buying them at like, I was like dude that's that's steep but there's no one here that's doing it. There's, I think there's one dude yeah. in this entire valley in 50-mile radius that's doing it. That's amazing. So, yeah, that's so an opportunity. Has, well, and then I found out if you get the Celadon eggs, the blue eggs for quail, certain markets are selling them as, as they say, imitation robin's eggs. So they're blue like a robin's egg, but they're not a robin's egg. So they can sell them and they get even more money for them. Like, <laughs> they're, the same, they're, freaking, they're the same damn egg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome, man. A lot of opportunity, you know. There's a lot of stuff happening. That's cool. And I and I did I did find a local bee club, so I'll be starting to go to that. And and uh, you know, we'll see where we go here at Driftless Oaks Farm. But it sounds like you have a great plan. You got a lot of stuff on the on the the menu, shall we say? So <laughs> it's going to be good.
1: Yeah, I got I got a lot of stuff I I got a lot of stuff on the to-do list. Yes. So my like, to-do list is long too. Yeah, it's the matter of really making sure I have the time and not overwhelming myself cuz we've done it. I mean, like I said, that second year growing the yard to what I did and watched it all die. There was a lot of money invested and lost. And i remember even writing that into greg burns uh podcast like what was lessons learned this one
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so it's a learning experience that's one thing i've always tried to do is every year what what did you learn Yep. from garden from gardening to beekeeping to life
0: <laughs> yeah no that's important to write that stuff down and keep track of that because you don't want to repeat the same mistakes over and over again for sure and and uh you know, that kind of stuff is you're building on the shoulders of what you did before, not starting over from scratch. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, where can we find you? Where can we find High Desert Hives? What can we find of you?
1: Find me? um, Right now, highdeserthives.com is our website. Cool. So it's still a work in progress. I am not a computer programmer. So there's that. Uh, If you are in Colorado and you want honey, give me a call. College Food Laws, I can only sell within Colorado.
2: Mm.
1: So there's that little caveat. My wife is on Facebook. She runs the High Desert Hives Facebook page. Cool. Um, So you can call or email one of the two. It'll either get to me or her. She also has the Rapier Ranch uh, page that she's running on there, which is all the updates of what we're doing here. I keep tossing the idea around of starting up a YouTube thing because I have been recording stuff through the little adventures. but I'm not that funny. I'm not that good looking. So.
0: Hey, but you're doing stuff and you know, not everybody's doing this kind of stuff and people are, people are going to learn, want to know how to do it. Right. The how to that are doing this stuff too, or they're going to want entertainment. Right. Or it's somebody who's already doing and they're like, huh, what's that guy doing? I want to learn how to do that too. So that there is an audience out there for this kind of stuff. And, you know, Small Scale Life Network, we're happy to share stuff from our friends (laughs) like yourself. So let me know and we'll put you on, uh, you know, I'll start. I got to start getting my butt moving again and sharing stuff from my friends. So let me know. Oh, Oh yeah,
1: no doubt. Cool, dude. Well, I appreciate
0: your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. I, I really love talking about this stuff. And we've come a long way since meeting at Danielle's and watching that whole colony of bees march up that sheet. You know, I yeah. mean it was like, look oh, at yeah.
1: that. Tart- the off split. Uh that was
0: the first time I've ever messed with bees. And I didn't really mess with them. I was just filming the stuff. I mean, I was
1: like, oh, that's that was, amazing. That was the first time I went gloveless in a hive yeah and which that's one thing that people don't uh, i will give credit i still cannot go gloveless working a hive and i've seen commercial guys work gloveless like i I can't do it i've tried Mm -hmm. i freak out my work Danielle's was the only successful time i did it and even then my my inner monologue was screaming run away
0: (laughs) so i know some guys some people do it and it's amazing so and i haven't done any of that stuff yet but we're going to start to learn do and grow right
1: yeah no you'll you'll be fine like i said between reach out you got you got a good network i going.
0: do i got the uh, best network i got great friends so yeah
1: so thank you brother thank you for being on the show i really
0: appreciate it
1: uh, thank you Tony. thanks for having me
0: <laughs> anytime brother in closing from the north to the south from the east to the west and everywhere in between may the gods spirits and folk be blessed at this place May we heal the land and protect the soil, animals, and plants. May we live in strength and love, leading the way as we learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. We'll be back with another show. In the meantime, stay safe and take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media.